we saw that the attacker successfully deployed the attack framework on the targeted machines. So the attackers could gain access to the post systems of the victim and steal this personal credit card's data, uh, which could become a serious breach. Hi, and welcome to Malicious Life, in collaboration with Cyberism. I'm Ran Levy. In this episode of our show, you'll be hearing from three security experts, two members of Cyberism's Managed Detection and Response Team, or MDR, and one member of Cyberism's Threat Research Team. They'll be telling the story of a malicious campaign they stumbled upon last year involving Russian cybercriminals, POS devices, and an entire new family of previously undisclosed malware. In Malicious Life, we usually follow these kinds of stories in the logical order. First you uncover the threat, then investigate it, and finally attempt to combat the attack. In this episode, however, we'll do something a bit different. My name is Eli. I'm a security analyst and a threat hunter at Cyberism for the last uh, two years. I'm Niv. Um, I'm working with Cyberism for the past three and a half years. Um, I'm practice director in the global services team. I'm Lior, and uh, I'm a senior threat researcher at the Nocturnus team in Cyberism. I specialize in malware analysis, threat hunting, and open source intelligence. So our MDR is based on the Cyberism product. We have sensors that install on millions of endpoints around the world, uh, what give us the visibility to perform wide research across different countries. In every office, we have analysts and threat hunters with wide experience coming from offensive and defensive world. Um, the analysts triaging Cyberism alerts and perform deep dive analysis using the investigation screen. And we also monitor tweets, blogs, and security researchers Um, in the open source uh, intelligence and looking proactively for those threats on the customer's environments. So uh, MDR is a managed detection and response. It's something we offer to our customers. It's 24-7 threat and detection uh, and response capabilities that are delivered uh, usually remotely. What the team is doing is investigating and responding to every threat that is found by the Cyberism platform. About a year ago, the MDR experts were watching an attacker as he or she were trying to hack into a client's network. Here's Ellie and Niv. We could actually see what the attacker is typing in, in real time. We could actually see just, just from looking at the interactive shell, we, we could knew what the, attacking, the attacker is looking for, um, what the attacker wants, what he already know, what he wants to know, and we were able to know uh, at what stage he, he is. We actually reverse engineered the mind of, of the, the, the attacker at, at that point, just by looking at interactive shell. Who was this mysterious hacker? How did they infiltrate the vendor's network? And what kind of information were they after? Well, one way of answering these questions is by examining the tools used by the attackers. 
and during our advanced analysis, we discovered an interactive shell on the victim machine. The hacker was running a web shell on their target systems. The tool they chose was Cobalt Strike, a name well known to security professionals. Cobalt Strike is actually a perfectly honest piece of software designed to act as a penetration testing tool. But it's also known to be used by hackers as a way to load shell code onto a victim's machine. Why would an attacker use such a well-known software? One possible option is that our hacker was a script kitty, using an off-the-shelf tool because it's easy and they don't really know what they're doing. This, however, wasn't the case this time. For reasons we'll get to shortly, MDR knew they were probably facing a very dangerous and sophisticated foe, one that knew exactly what they were doing. There was a method to the madness. In the past research that we did, we, we saw that a lot of threat actors and APTs are using uh, tools like Metasploit and Mimikatz and like known tools that usually are being used by pen testers. And what we found is that these threat actors trying to evade detection, like they don't want to get attribution to their group because they use uh, an open source tool that anyone can download. So I guess this is a smart move from them, like at least at the beginning of their entry and the entry level to the environment, just to see if they were caught at all. And then they can download their own uh, internal tools um, and do, the, do their own stuff. You know those Nigerian scam emails? I'm a prince, and if you'll only send me $100,000, I can repay you a hundred times over. These scammers don't want you to reply. They're designed to attract only the most gullible people on earth. The kind of people who would actually pay that $100,000. Similarly, the reason to use Cobalt Strike is to suss out whether your target is the kind of target that could catch an average hacker. If they don't spot your obvious tell, it's an easy score. They're definitely not going to pick up on all the more advanced stuff you're going to do next. If they do spot it, it's no problem. The software is generic enough that you could be any hacker. There's no fingerprint. So to figure out the attacker's identity, we'll have to take a step further back in time and ask how did the web shell end up on the victim's machine in the first place? It turns out it was downloaded to the machine by another malware of a type known as a dropper, a malicious software designed to download and install other malicious software on a targeted system. The said dropper was of particular interest. It was somehow both familiar and unrecognizable. Here's Leo. We started to um, scroll back and see where it all started. We start to see like code similarities uh, with TrickBot, and the TrickBot is usually uh, referred to as a bank intrusion, uh, but it's actually more than that. Uh, TrickBot is a modular information stealer uh, that has uh, a wide range of uh, capabilities uh, for data theft and uh, reconnaissance. TrickBot is not a new malware. It was created in 2016. But due to its sophistication, modularity, and constantly evolving nature, it's still considered a major threat to corporate networks. 
But this particular software though, although it was very similar to TrickBot, wasn't TrickBot. But it was different malware and it was used for different purposes. In October 2019, NTT Security identified a TrickBot variant and named it Anchor DNS. Anchor because the malware authors had used the word and DNS for how it leveraged the internet's domain name system. Although Anchor DNS had only been discovered one month prior, Leo was now looking at a new variant. Leo's team was the team that was responsible to actually reverse engineer the malware and to, to understand the true nature of this malware and the potential capabilities, which we could not see at the first encounter when we uh, saw the malware. The primary strength of this Anchor DNS was its ability to completely evade conventional security detection mechanisms. It used two primary methods. First, DNS tunneling. DNS tunneling is um, uh, basically uh, like an exploit of the DNS protocol that can be used uh, to transfer data and to communicate with the other, uh, other machine. A quick refresher on DNS. When two computers wish to communicate over the internet, they need to know each other's IP addresses. An IP address is basically just a bunch of numbers, and so not so easy for us humans to remember, which is why we use domain names such as malicious.life. DNS, short for Domain Name System, is a system used for translating such a domain name into an IP address that the computer can actually use. The way it works is that when you type in your browser's address bar, malicious.life, the browser sends a query to designated DNS servers, which ultimately return the IP address of malicious.life. DNS queries are fairly simple and common, which is why for many years security experts were mainly focused on other more easily exploitable protocols, such as FTP for example, which were considered more dangerous. However, as is often the case, the crooks found a way to abuse these DNS queries and use them as communication channels for command and control over their botnet or even as a way to transfer substantial amounts of data, such as data exfiltrated from a compromised network. They first register a domain name, say for example evil.com, and then set up a DNS server to point to that domain. <laughs> when a malware hijacks a victim's computer, it crafts a DNS query looking for evil.com, and the global DNS system, as it should, passes this query to the DNS server set up by the malware's controller. But this specially crafted DNS query contains, in this case, more than just a simple request for an IP address. The malware can encode or hide in the query all sorts of other data, such as details about the compromised machine. This hiding of extra data in the query is what is usually referred to as tunneling. Usually less trivial to, to analyze and it's uh more advanced because a lot of um, organizations uh, don't really filter DNS uh, 
um, DNS uh, communication and the, the protocol itself. In addition to DNS tunneling, Anchor DNS used an even better trick. The Anchor executable uh, basically demands uh, flags in order to operate properly. A flag or an option or switch is simply a means of modifying a command line operation. Like if you would type ls in your terminal window, it would display the list of files and folders in your current directory. But if you would add the hyphen question mark flag, it would instead display the help file on how to use the ls command. In Anchor DNS's case, if you don't uh, supply the right uh, flags or don't supply any flags, the, the executable will simply not run. Uh, and then uh, uh, security solutions and uh, sandboxes uh, will basically don't uh, will not detect it. Uh, this actually helped the the anchor uh, the anchor malware to stay under the radar and uh, had um, to have a very low detection on the virus total. Uh, and yeah, it's also uh, makes the um, manual uh, manual sorry manual analysis uh, a bit harder because you need to know which flags you need to provide to the executable in order to run, uh, and if you don't have the, the flags, you can't run the malware. The attackers included other stealth mechanisms in addition to DNS tunneling and command line flags, including stack strings, string encryption, and more. The sophistication of the new malware and an abundance of other signs pointed to a clear suspect, the TrickBot gang. In the past few months, due to COVID, of course, I find myself shopping online much more than I used to, including buying at businesses I've never used before. Maybe you have the same experience. And it's hard to know what online stores to trust with your credit card. With privacy.com, however, there is no need to worry about double billing, sneaky upgrades or unwanted subscriptions. Privacy.com's virtual cards allow you to make any purchases without sharing your real bank or credit card information. A virtual card can be set up to have a monthly spending limit, for example, or be tied to a single merchant, so you never have to worry about giving it out to people you don't know online. It makes managing my financial life online much easier and a lot less stressful. And the best part? It's free. With a free personal plan, you can create up to 12 cards a month for free. And if you use the link privacy.com slash malicious life, you actually get $5 to spend on your first purchase. It's a fantastic offer. Privacy.com is easy to set up, fast to use, and it's free. Go to privacy.com slash malicious life. That's privacy, P-R-I-V-A-C-Y dot com slash malicious life and sign up now. We thank privacy.com for their support of malicious life. Uh, so we can't uh, talk about TrickBot without first talking about the TrickBot gang. Um, which is uh, one of the biggest cybercrime groups uh, operating in the world today. Um, the key members uh, are thought to be Russian-speaking, 
uh, and they are financially motivated group uh, and, uh, is in, and they are involved in a wide range of uh, cyber crime activities. Um, the gang has a, has a whole ecosystem and a partnership uh, with other threat actors. Um, they rent access to their infrastructure and uh, infected hosts uh, to other threat actors, such as uh, Fin6 uh, and the Lazarus Group, uh, in order to increase the, the re- revenue. Um, the most uh, known tool for the gang is uh, TrickBot, which also gave it uh, its nickname. It's a sign of just how notorious TrickBot is that threat actors have purchased it off of TrickBot gang. One of TrickBot's best customers, for example, is the Lazarus Group of North Korea, the perpetrators of the Sony Pictures hack in 2014 and WannaCry. Um, when first observed in 2016, uh, TrickBot was uh, mainly used against uh, individual users. Uh, to sell financial information. Um, and around 2017-2018, uh, the TrickBot gang uh, shifted uh, into targeting uh, organizations uh, and performed uh, la- larger uh, hacking operations. In order to do so, uh, they had to expand their arsenal uh, and uh, introduce uh, new tools. When TrickBot gang graduated to bigger, better targets, they built bigger, better versions of TrickBot. And this was one of them. But that wasn't all. We noticed that uh, there, were no, uh, there were two main uh, variants, not just one. The dropper came with another malware. This one even stranger than the last. So uh, when we first started to uh, investigate the binary, Uh, we noticed uh, a PDB path uh, embedded into it, uh, which contained um, the name Anchor DNS. This program had Anchor in it, but it lacked any DNS component. In fact, it lacked just about everything that made Anchor DNS so tricky. Uh, that was uh, sort of like a test uh, variant. It was not obfuscated. It has... barely uh, any like advanced techniques. We started to investigate uh, what is its name and um, search for uh, other samples with the same name and we started to see that uh, there are a lot of uh, samples that uh, are uh, basic, basically undetected in uh, virus total and uh, by different uh, security solutions and uh, we understood that there is something much bigger than just uh, one or two samples here. This made us uh, realize that uh, this is a part of a bigger and uh, undiscovered uh, family that actually stayed uh, under the radar for almost two years. This wasn't new malware. It was a new malware family, one which had completely evaded detection by the entire security community for years. The last piece of the puzzle, or rather the first piece, since this was actually the first step of the attack, was sneaking the new dropper into the victim's network. How did the TrickBot gang manage that? Our MDR service is uh, monitoring alerts from all of our services customers, and in one of the shifts we noticed a malicious phishing attack, which is something that we used to see in our day-to-day, and it's not something that is special for this threat actor. A phishing attack on its own might not be very interesting. It's what a phishing email is hiding that interests threat defenders. 
The malicious link included in the email directed to a file hosted on Google Docs. Once clicked, the user is brought to a seemingly legitimate Google window, which purports to be hosting a Microsoft Word document titled Annual Bonus Report. Pretty sly, huh? Who wouldn't want to view their annual bonus? Of course, you can't actually view the document. There is no document. If you click on the download link, a window pops up indicating that the user should update the version of Microsoft Word or try opening the document from a different computer. Meanwhile, a malware dropper is downloading onto their machine. We also managed to, to see uh, an additional downloaded legitimate files that can be used for malicious purposes such as reconnaissance and lateral movements that the attacker um, brought to the machine. So let's zoom out and view the whole attack chain. There's Cobalt Strike, the interactive web shell that the hacker was using to probe the victim network. Cobalt Strike is pretty generic and so useful to avoid attribution of the attack. However, it was dropped onto the target machine by malware which is an advanced and evolved version of TrickBot, a well-known banking trojan tied to the TrickBot gang. And all this began with a simple phishing email. This is very common type of attacks. There's a lesson here. So we can see that sophisticated threat actors are still using traditional ways, such as phishing as their main infection vector, and they are usually deliver what's called a commodity malware, such as TrickBot. But we also see that commodity malware are transforming into a threat loader um, to deliver their tools and payload, uh, such as uh, TrickBot, which is uh, a commodity malware, but can be also a threat loader, as we've seen in this case. Uh, one of our insights is to not, not ignoring commodity malware, since it has the potential to transfer into a full hacking operation and cause substantial damage for enterprises. This insight, not ignoring the simple things like phishing emails and commodity malware, is what allowed the MDR team to lay a reverse trap for the TrickBot gang. So from the behavior that we analyzed uh, within the alerts, uh, we saw that the attacker motivation was stealing sensitive uh, information from the customer environment. So they tried to take over control over critical assets in the victim's network, and their target was uh, POS systems. It became clear what the hackers were after because they were aiming their malware at point-of-sale systems. The goal and motivation of these uh, attackers was to steal uh, information and especially financial information. If successful, the hacker would have had their hands on not just vendor systems, but plenty of stored credit card data from customers. Luckily, the team detected this behavior in real time and responded very quickly to the alert. We actually worked uh, well with the investigation, with the targeting POS system and uh, stealing uh, credit card data. Uh, what uh, resulted in prevention of the attack and the dual door mediation that was needed to the customer environment. The attack was stopped, but TrickBot gang 
remains alive and well. They'll surely be back again, probably with a newer, better malware next time. Will there be experts around to stop them? That's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. Next week, in preparation for the upcoming US elections, we'll have a special episode for you about election hacking. Stay tuned. Do you have an interesting, quote-unquote, war story about cybersecurity? Let me know. I'm on Twitter at at Ranlevy, that's R-A-N-L-E-V-I, or at Malicious Life. And my email address is ran at ranlevy.com. Our website is malicious.life, where you'll find all of our past episodes with full transcripts. Malicious Life is produced by PI Media. Nate Nelson is our senior producer, with editing assistance from Beno Habari. Thanks to CyberReason for underwriting the podcast. Learn more at cyberreason.com. Bye-bye. CK Music. 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 Music.